Well, good morning. Apparently, it's after 10 o'clock, and I was being a chatty Kathy. I won't say the other Kathys I know in my life, but that's okay. It's a thing. We love it. We love it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome online. We're glad you tuned in. Um, we're just excited to be together this morning. A couple of things before we like pray and dive into our service. One, uh, this is like our scheduled Sunday where we don't have kids' church, so um, keep your kids with you. We're glad they're here. If they're noisy, that's okay. It's good for us to remember to like be awake and get a little rowdy, so no worries there. Um, and then two, our wonderful uh, bookkeeper just wants us to remind you that uh, at the end of May, which is only a couple days away, uh, the online trans like e-transfer email the old one will stop working so the new one is like giving at pgpentecostal.com um, and if you haven't set that up because so many of us are using e-transfer uh, please remember to do so within like the next couple days and finally men's breakfast is coming up and you can sign up and be there word on the street is it's going to be delicious I, and and I think Larry is bringing the word. So if if I could, I would be there, but I can't. But if you are a man, please sign up in the foyer. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that on June 18th. Um, let's stand. I feel like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get a little loose so we can not injure ourselves while we praise the Lord this morning. And uh, let's pray. Pastor Ken Russell is going to bring the word after uh, the team leads us in worship and just excited for what God is going to do in this place this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning um, with our, our joys and both with just the heavy burdens that we carry, Lord, and we want to give them both to you. God, you're faithful to meet our needs. You're faithful to your word. You're faithful to our prayers, Lord. You hear us. You hear our laughter just as you heard Sarah laugh, and, and you hear our cries. And so, God, would we just be honest with you this morning? Would we just be open to you this morning? And, Lord, would you minister to your church? Would you build us up? Would you convict us, heal us, encourage us? Lord, just uh, we know you're in this place, and so help us to just meet with you in a personal and powerful way. And, God, as the team plays, would we just enter into your presence? Lord, would you be glorified through our worship. And we all just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this uh, awesome time we spent together worshiping you, expressing our love and our appreciation towards you, and uh, receiving from you the words of inspiration through those songs that Chad and the team have left led. So, Father, we pray that today we would be inspired by your word, that there would be a message that's given through the notes that I've prepared. Father, I pray that your spirit would be at work here in this building, that those of us who perhaps are new to faith, those who are exploring faith, those who have been uh, long-standing in faith, would receive equally from your word, the bread of life. We pray, Lord, that this would not just be an exchange of information, but this would be a work of transformation. We ask, Lord, 
these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So nice to see your smiling faces and friends I haven't seen for such a long time. You know, uh, we, uh, we are so glad to, to have this opportunity to, to be here in person. Uh, our team was actually supposed to be here for a, a regroup event, but we had to postpone that. Uh, so we will be back next year, and uh, our whole team will be here, and we invite you to come and be part of that. It's always fun to see people. And uh, uh, the, I, I guess you, you, some of you may not know this, but I've actually technically, constitutionally, been your lead pastor for the last few months. <laughs> Did you know that? Board members, I haven't received a paycheck in a long time, okay? So I just want you to know, no, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Uh, constitutionally, when Pastor Rich resigned and Pastor Rich and Noreen uh, concluded their ministry, technically I came on board uh, to serve as your constitutional pastor, and then we appointed together with the board Pastor Ralph and Carrie. Great applause for them if they're watching online. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Ralph and Carrie. Just amazing people. And uh, I've already got plans for them, so I hope they don't they enjoy their little time off because I got them deployed somewhere else here pretty soon. <laughs> we have 18 churches, by the way, in our network of 200 plus churches that are going through pastoral transition. So you can tell how busy that puts me because I'm traveling. I just came from Merritt, where you would know Pastor Jim and Elaine Caruso, who are interim pastors there because their pastor is transitioning. So. It was fun to be with them on Wednesday and Thursday, and I'm heading now after this service. Pastor Monty is picking me up, and uh, he's going to scuttle me all the way up to Vanderhoof, where they're going through a pastoral transition as well. So, hey, it's all lots of fun. Some of you should try my job. It's all kinds of fun. I have coffee. I have lunch. I stay with nice people, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And they pay me to do all this. It's amazing. Best job ever. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tiffany, one day you could be district superintendent. Don't say no. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it is a joy to serve you. I also want to give a hearty thanks and a, a round of applause for Pastor Tiffany and the board. Let's give them a hand of appreciation. That is one amazing leader right there, and the board are just amazing. Uh, it's been a journey since Pastor Rich and Noreen. I don't know if you've been keeping up with Pastor Rich and Noreen's posts on Facebook, but it always seems to be posts of the ocean, right? <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> and so their love in Pender Harbor, the church loves them. I'm going to be there, be with them uh, in three weeks to give them the official installation because I haven't been there since they started. So I will be there preaching at their church and installing them. I'll bring greetings from all of you. I'll tell them how much... You don't miss them, and we're so glad they got rid of them. <laughs> Can I say that? They told me they were glad to get rid of you, Pastor Rich. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't say that. I know you miss them very much, and they were, they're lovely people, awesome people. So I will, I, one of my jobs today is to be uh, concise, because the kids are here, and I hope kids, you are, are able to track along with me. And uh, appreciate you being in the, in the uh, service today. I love seeing kids. Hi, sweetheart. So let me talk to you a little bit about a passage from Galatians. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you brought them electronically, because there's all kinds of 
ways we read the Bible today, sometimes in hard copy, sometimes on your phone. For me, because I travel, I have an iPad, and so a lot of the scriptures um, that I, I reference are going to be on my iPad, so I'll just kind of work with you on that. Let me say this, and I did pray it a moment ago, that um, it would be presumptuous of me to uh, think that by exchanging some information this morning, that it would automatically lead to transformation. The exchange of information doesn't necessarily lead to transformation because there's one important step in between information and transformation. You know what that one step is? Application. (laughs) So information without application just makes us better educated Christians. Okay? It just makes us better educated people because we have all kinds of information. Did you know we live in a world of information today? You can Google anything today. And in a, minute, uh, in a few minutes, you have information overload. Now, sometimes that information is not always accurate. It's filled with bias and opinion and all kinds of tainted information. So you have to be careful when you Google something that the information you get is not just knowledge because knowledge without wisdom is dangerous. You want me to say that one more time? (laughs) Knowledge without wisdom is dangerous because just knowing what somebody believes or has an opinion around can be dangerous unless you have the wisdom to say, does God really condone that? Is that accurate to the Word of God? How do I apply that and make my life more like Christ? Okay, so that's where wisdom comes in. So today I can promise you that I'll give you a bunch of knowledge, okay, biblical knowledge. Hopefully I'll inspire you with some story I tell or some information I give. But really the middle part is your your responsibility, and that's the application. That's where you apply wisdom to what I'm going to say today. And that you would say, okay, that nugget really speaks to me. Ken, you're right. That That is happening in my life. And if you can apply knowledge, uh, wisdom to the knowledge I give you, then you'll experience transformation. You'll actually walk out of here a different person than you came in. Because you'll have what I call the aha moment. Okay? You'll go, aha. What? I never saw it that way. All right. You got a point, Russell. You're not just a good-looking guy. You got a brain behind those glasses, right? (laughs) Not so good-looking either. (laughs) Thanks, Lena. So hopefully my brain and my dashing good looks will inspire you today to apply God's Word. So, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. I think I have a PowerPoint. It'll come up. We can follow along. Thanks, tech crew. You are awesome. They actually are going to control this message right from back there. I'm a puppet. They'll tell me what to say. Just advance the slides and I'll say whatever's on those slides. All right? Okay, so the... I find the Word of God filled with some incredible principles for real life. Principles that if we apply to our lives, we become more Christ-like. We actually start becoming like Him. The principle of the harvest, of a personal harvest, is something that we're all aware of, but sometimes we, maybe we don't apply it to our lives as much. Do you, do you recall what the Scriptures through Genesis and Revelation talk about when it talks about sowing and reaping okay we have that principle in all kinds of other industries if you're a banker if you're in banking 
you'll call it return on investment, ROI, okay? Real estate, you know, you, you purchase something and you expect it to appreciate so that it brings you a return, okay? Uh, you can look at it even in some of the false religions like Hinduism or Buddhism where they talk about karma, right? What goes around comes around. Or, you know, yin and yang, the balance of all things in, in some of the Buddhist traditions. So many different aspects of life actually have this principle built into them. But this is the biblical Christian principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow into your life, you will also reap. Okay, that's the, that's the bottom line principle. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, So don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. Other translations that you're reading might say, you can't fool God. You can't trick God. <laughs> you can't sow something into your, the soil of your soul and expect a different harvest. If you sow an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. <laughs> if you sow a prune, you'll, you'll get a prune, a, a prune tree, bush. What is it? Plum, there it is. <laughs> Thank you. That's why you should be district superintendent. You're <laughs> you SMRT smart. <laughs> you know, I can't spell either. Okay, um, you can't fool God. You can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sil sinful natures or sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't get discouraged. My goodness, that probably wasn't written in the middle of a pandemic. All right? <laughs> because how many people suffer from discouragement and all kinds of tired, fatigue, you know, feelings? through this, this season that we've been through. But it says, don't get discouraged, don't give up, for we'll reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. That's what Paul says to the church in Galatia. So Jesus is going to add the blessing and anointing to this passage as we kind of explore it together. There is, there is really multiple applications from this passage that we can, we can explore. Now, I grew up in a family of two kids, Carly and Sydney. When they were girls, little girls, they incessantly fought with one another. They would never get along with each other. It didn't matter what they were fighting about. It could be their clothes. It could be the size of their room. It could be, uh, you know, dolls. Uh, my kids grew up more in a pastoral home, in a Christian home. I don't think they ever knew a day in their childhood when they were not in church. They were always in church. And so, you know how some kids play games like school and doctor and those kinds of things? My kids played church. Did you know that? There were times when they would have all their stuffy animals all positioned in their room, and Carly would be preaching to these animals, you know, and these little stuffies, and then Sydney would go around and pray over them and push them over, you know, <laughs> like a good evangelical televangelist, you know. <laughs> she would blab on in what she thought was tongues and interpretation, you know. 
Then they would have business meetings, annual business meetings. They'd line up all their stuffies and they would pass motions and they would chair those meetings. The smartest thing I found was when they, uh, they took up the offering. You know, stuffies don't give. Did you know that? <laughs> they don't give a whole lot of money. So guess what they would do? They would bring their, you know, bowl, their offering plate to mom and dad. Because <laughs> that's where the money is, right? Smart kids. So all through their life, they had been churched. They had been churched. And we had sown into their lives church, right? Ecclesia, the gathering, this. This was very common to them. But it, it actually worried me at one point when they were teenagers. It said, honey, to both of them, are you Christians because you've just been to church all your life? Because you've sown in Sunday school and you've sown in sermons and you've sown in youth group and you know, children's church and kids club and all of those things. Is that the fruit of your life? And Sydney and Carly both said, no dad, no dad. We have had encounters with God's Holy Spirit and we have believed in God through Christ and his saving faith. You see, sometimes what we put into our lives we expect a certain kind of harvest, but by going to church, Keith Green would say this, and Keith Green's an old you know, recording artist from the, back in the 60s, 70s when I was a teenager, uh, would say, going to church a lot doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? So we have to understand that what we are sowing into our soul is actually the product of our life, and Christ is more concerned with our character than he is with our conduct. Now, he's not, he's not totally uh, unconcerned about our conduct. So don't get me wrong. But first and foremost, he's concerned about our character. What are we sowing into our character? What are we sowing into the soul? Well, there's two kinds of personal harvest. Let me identify them for you. There is the carnal harvest, the acts of the sinful nature, so you know how I read for you a passage out of Galatians 6? If you have your Bibles, just turn the page over to Galatians 5 because that is actually where Paul begins to build this message. He, in, sorry, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and through, he actually talks about what happens when we sow seeds of carnality into our soul because the result of sowing seeds of carnality are the acts of the sinful nature. And you can see them right there in chapter 5, verse 19. And then you can see the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. He says that if you sow into your soul carnality, guess what you're going to get out? You're going to get immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, envy, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says it's pretty simple. You sow into your nature things that are carnal, and the, the outflow, the fruit, is going to be acts of the sinful nature. You know how tragic this shooting, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but the, the shooting in Nivaldi, Texas, we were just there, Brenda and I went through Texas on our sabbatical, we towed our fifth wheel all the way down south from Palm Springs through Arizona, where my daughter lives, and then through New Mexico and Texas. 
how tragic that I think it's 19 people, two adults and, and uh, um, 17 children were killed. And a, a person has to begin to wonder, what was that shooter feasting on? What was that person actually sowing into their spirit? I'm told, I don't actually have access to video games, I don't play video games online, but I'm told that video games have become very, very realistic and very, very bloody, very, very violent, okay? And so kids, youth, young adults are growing up through their younger age, feasting on violence. Sorry, am I doing something wrong with the, the mic? If I am, tell me. I'm teachable. <laughs> I just get a crunch every so often. Um, so feasting on violence, and then we wonder why our society is suffering with mass shootings and all kinds of violence. Because we've allowed that. Our, our culture has shifted to desensitize us from the carnal nature. Feasting on violence, feasting on destruction, feasting on drugs and, and different uh, uh, issues of debauchery. Because that's what will come out in our culture. And we're seeing it, right? Now, on the other side, if you sow seeds to the Spirit, the Bible says, you can expect a different kind of harvest. That's the other's harvest, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if you sow seeds to the Spirit, sow seeds of the Spirit into your soul, you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the investment that you make into your own life will produce a certain kind of harvest. They'll produce a return on your investment that is more godly. Now this applies in all kinds of uh, situations in life. Did you know that if you sow into your character carnality, you reap depravity? If you sow into your worship indifference, you will reap boredom. <laughs> Think about that. I was pastoring at Surrey Pentecostal Church. We have friends here who were there. And uh, we had this dear old saint that one time didn't like the music in our church. Let's just take the elephant in the room right out. <laughs> you know, let's address it. Okay, so she came to me and she said, Pastor Ken, I can't worship with that music. And God dropped a little word in my heart right there. You know, when that happens, you just think, oh, where did that come from? And uh, so I looked at her, and she's a lovely lady, and I loved her with all my heart. And I, I looked at her, and I said, Mary, is it that you can't worship or you won't worship? Because there's a difference. Maybe you don't like the music. Maybe you don't like how loud the music is. Maybe you don't like drums. Maybe you don't like the genre of the music. But can I just point out to you that Paul, Silas, were being beaten whipped daily, imprisoned in chains, <laughs> okay, starved, and they chose to worship under the oppressive jailer. So if they can worship in adversity, so can you. That music can't be that bad, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah, no one's beating you with whips, okay? You might not like drums, but it's got to be better than whips and chains, right? So you see, whatever you sow into worship, you will reap out of worship. You can worship in silence. You can worship in any kind of atmosphere, any kind of music. It's what you decide to put in, then you reap out what, you, what, you've, all, what you've sown into your soul. 
It works in your conduct. It works in your conversation. I, of course, speech is a result of what you're putting in. I was uh, on BC Ferries the other day, and I was sitting there on my laptop, minding my own business, and the people behind me were talking. And literally, every second word was an F-bomb. Every second word. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? They, I don't think they even realize that that F-word is not an adjective. <laughs> but they've made it into an adjective. That's just become so much of their conversation because they've sewn it in all over the place. And vulgarity in their conversation has become commonplace. It's amazing. What you sow, you will reap. It, it, what you sow into relationships, if you'll reap. Okay? Imagine if Brenda and I, after 39 years of marriage and four years of dating, only spoke once a month. <laughs> what kind of a marriage would we have, right? We wouldn't have a good one, I'll tell you that. So if you sow in you know, silence or indifference in your marriage, you're going to reap the, bene or the, the destruction from that. Let me go on from there. There are three basic ancillary principles that I want to share with you this morning. Okay, then we'll close. Because Pastor Tiffany has said, if I go over time, I'm going to be put in a little room down there and I'm going to get beaten, okay? So, isn't that what you said, Pastor Tiffany? Okay. <laughs> I may not have got that right, okay? Just so you know. Okay. Anyways, let me just give them to you here. There are three supporting principles that we often ignore when we talk about sowing and reaping. Okay? Number one, sometimes we reap what other people have sown. Did you get that? Sometimes we reap what other people have sown. Sometimes we reap the benefits of what other people have sown. And sometimes we reap the, the negative outcomes of what other people have sown. Let me give you an example. I would love for you to uh, meet Brenda. She's my wife. Um, she's the most positive person I think I've ever met in my life. She, she has never anything negative to say. I even try to bait her sometimes. <laughs> you know, I try to get her to say something negative, and she'll always find the silver lining behind every cloud, right? She's very, very positive. Every time I speak anywhere, and she's there, and sometimes I, I go, I'm back in the car, and we're driving home, and I say to her, oh man, that was a total bomb. I can't believe I preached that sermon. I, my mind was scattered. The points were all disarray. Uh, I, I just, I didn't think I got anything across. And she would, even in the worst of sermons, her response would be, well, Ken, you know, it wasn't your best work. <laughs> she can't say, that sucked. That was horrible. You didn't make sense that morning. You know, she said, not your best work, you know. She'll always be positive. She had, over the marriage years and dating years, she has poured in a truckload of positivity into my life. Truckloads of it. And it has built up my self-confidence and my self-esteem. My mother is another person. She's 94 years old. Went to see her on Mother's Day. She's suffering in extreme uh, levels of dementia right now. She can't remember anything. I had a conversation with her yesterday on the phone told her that I was in Prince George about six times. <laughs> Where are you? Prince George. Two minutes later, are you traveling? Yes, mom, I'm in Prince George. Where's Prince George? It's like this revolving conversation, you know, so her mind is gone. But when she was, you know, my mom in younger years, she would pour 
praise and, and all kinds of great things into my life, which helped me become who I am today. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, also was very uh, stern and, and uh, you know, he was a British guy and it was high work ethic. And so my work ethic has been developed by the things my dad has poured and sown into my life. Okay? On the other hand, there are people who have things sown into their life that are not so positive. So in the positive sense, sometimes we benefit from what other people have sown in our life. Okay? We are the recipients. And where do I find this? John chapter 4, verse 37. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have re uh, reaped the benefits of their labor. Pastor Tiffany will identify, some of you will identify, how many people in my ministry years have I had the privilege of leading to Christ at the altar? Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds of people who've responded to an altar call. I get to lead them to Christ, but I didn't do the work of discipleship in their life. Someone else did. I reaped the benefit. I brought the harvest in for the work that somebody else had done. That's what John is saying here in that scripture. In the same way, going back to my scripture in Galatians, Paul says, don't stop doing good. Don't get tired of planting seed. Even if you never see that harvest, even if you never see the outcome of what you've done, keep planting seed. Keep doing good things. Because one day the harvest will come. It will come. You may never see it, but it will come. Let's go on. We reap the seeds of uh, sorry, we sow the seeds of evangelism, someone else reaps the harvest. We sow seeds of encouragement, someone else reaps the harvest of of self-confidence and, and joy. We sow seeds of empowerment, and that becomes the harvest of someone else's success. Someone else uh, gets the success if we do the support work. Now let me address the negative, because it wouldn't be fair if I just talked about the positive. The negative is true as well. Sometimes we, we reap the negative outcomes of someone else's wicked seed. Okay, let me tell you where that's found. It's actually in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 24, Jesus is giving a parable on the kingdom. And he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who plants good seed in his field. But that night, as everyone slept, and his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew, and the farmer's Servants came and told him, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is now full of weeds. An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Let me give you that principle here in the way of a story. Okay? Just in the way of a story. I was pastoring in Port Moody with uh, Pastor Bill Gibson. He was the senior pastor. I was the assistant. And our church was right on St. John's, okay? the Barnett Highway. And our front door actually emptied out right onto the highway. And my office, when you came in the front doors of the church, was right off the lobby. Okay, I think it was the old nursery or something. So they had converted it into an office. So anybody who came into the church, they wouldn't go to the, the uh, administrator's office. They'd actually walk past my office. So I was sitting there one day, and uh, I, I heard the door open, and a woman came into the, the church. And I could tell right away that this woman was part of the sex trade in Coquitlam in the Tri-Cities area. 
She was scantily dressed. Um, she smelled uh, heavily of perfume. She sat down with dark glasses on her face, and she said, can I talk to a pastor? I thought, I'm a pastor. <laughs> you can talk to me. Would you prefer to speak with a woman, or would you prefer to speak to me? She said, no, you'll do. <laughs> if you're the only one, you'll do. <laughs> I felt immediately affirmed. You know, <laughs> you'll do. If there's anybody else, you know. Uh, so I said, first of all, tell me your name. And she said, my name is Jenny with an I. I don't know why that was important to her, but it was important. Jenny with an I. So I said, oh, okay, Jenny with an I. Uh, tell me your story. What's going on? And there was this awkward pregnant silence. She took off her sunglasses and her eyes were beaten. Her face was beaten. She had dark, dark bruises under her eye and she began to cry. She said, when I was a little girl, my mother died. And uh, my dad was mean. He would beat me up often and lock me up in, my base in the basement of our house and hardly ever give me food or water. He had a drug addiction, and he was a womanizer and alcoholic. And he would come home and rage and beat me and all kinds of stuff. And one day, he came home, and he scarred her face with his cigarette. He pulled back her hair, showed me the burn marks, the br scars, actually, not the bark, the burn marks. I could tell she had been through a lifetime of pain. Other people had sown into her life terrible things. No human being should have ever have to go through what Jenny with an eye had gone through. It was horrific. An enemy had planted weed in her, not the weed that we, you know, not that weed that's kind of legalized now. <laughs> other kinds of weed. <laughs> Terrible acts of the sinful nature were planted into her soul. And she was harvesting a horrible experience. She went on, and I'll, I can't share the whole story with you. It's just too graphic. It's horrible. So I said, Jenny, have you ever heard of Jesus? And she goes, yeah, that's why I'm here. I said, oh. I said, you know, your story is the reason why Jesus died on a cross. That's the reason. Because he loves you so much. He cares about you so much that he doesn't want anyone to go through what you've gone through. And after this life is over, he has prepared a place where you will never cry You'll never have sorrow. You'll never have pain in your life again. Because that's the God that we serve. I said, Jenny, would you mind? I didn't lead her in a sinner's prayer or anything at that moment because I knew she was just so raw. Her soul was raw. I said, Jenny, would you mind if I called a lady in our church and asked her if she would come and care for you? And she looked at me and she goes, you would do that? I said, I would do that because we love you and we want your life to be different than what you've experienced. We want your harvest. I didn't say that to her. 
We want your harvest to be something different than you've already got because an enemy has sown something into your soul that is not right. So I called a lady, a couple from our church, and I explained the situation on the phone, and they were there in minutes. Seriously. They lived in Coquitlam. They must have sped to our church. They got there, and our dear sister grabbed her, gave her a hug, took her home to their home, put her up in one of their spare bedrooms, and nurtured Jenny back to health. Now, I want you to know something about this scripture here. If you read the entire parable, Jesus actually uses the parable to teach a principle. He says, don't go around pulling out the weed. Don't go around pulling out weeds because you'll harm the wheat. He said, let the Spirit do that. Let the angels do that. That's their job. You see, sometimes we try to just yank out stuff in people's lives. You're like this because you did this. Let me remove this for you. Okay? And that's the fix-it personality that we have. I'm going to fix you because you're broken and I'm a Christian and I can help you. See, this woman who, I won't take her name but because you're probably related to her because the POC is tighter than the mafia. But anyways, <laughs> it really is, okay? But this woman in our church in Port Moody didn't pull out the weeds. She just nurtured the wheat. And she began to pour in good seed into Jenny's life. It completely changed her, transformed her. She was a different person. Let me fast forward. There's so much to that story I could tell, but it's, we're running short of time. Fast forward now, I'm the district superintendent, and I go back to that church to, to deliver a message. And as I'm coming in the lobby, I hear this voice, Pastor Ken, do you remember me? And I looked at her, and I thought, I haven't a clue who you are. Like, I don't know who you are. And she said, I'm Jenny with an I. And I said, Jenny with an I. How are you? Honestly, without lying or exaggerating, she looked different. Her whole complexion had changed. She was a different person. She was working at the daycare in our church in Port Moody. She had been working with kids her whole life. She was out in her, uh, in her own place now, and she had gotten married, and she was a completely different person than that person who I met in my office transformed she was not the same person because that church nurtured her they didn't criticize her didn't try to pull out the weeds they just nurtured her fertilized the soil and kept planting good seed so i want you to know that the devil is out there planting weeds among the wheat and it's not our job to do that that's god's job our job is to nurture the wheat and to plant more good seeds in people's lives so that we can see the work of transformation in their lives. Second principle, sowing and reaping never occur at the same time. How many of you are patient people here? Is there any one of you weirdos out there who are patient? Okay. <laughs> like, is it, you're patient? Yeah. I got to learn from you. Okay. Because I'm not her. I'm the most impatient person in the world. Can anybody identify with me? Okay, I am. Yeah, yeah. There's a support group afterwards. We'll go downstairs. And, 
and learn from each other. I'm the guy who goes to the supermarket with my buggy and I do a mental assessment thinking that line's moving faster than that line and that line's moving. Do you do that? Right? You're in Save On Foods. I'm thinking, okay, nope, 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 that one. No, 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 that one. Okay. And I get in that lineup and I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's God trying to teach me patience. But then my lineup starts going slow. Yeah? Like you? Because somebody's got like a 900 coupons. I like coupons. I use coupons. Okay. Or there's a price check. You know, price check on aisle four. That's my aisle! (laughs) I am not a patient person. I hate to wait. Right? Right? Everything has to be fast and instant in this world. Right? That's, I think we've been trained that way. But the Bible says, wait a minute. Harvest doesn't work that way. You need to wait. I don't like that. I could rip that right out of my Bible. <laughs> you know? you got to wait, Ken. you got to wait. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for you will reap a harvest of blessing. Keywords at the appropriate time. Keywords. Don't expect to see an apple tree the moment after you plant the seed. Ain't going to happen. That's good English right there. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You have to wait and sometimes wait a long time. And sometimes you don't see what's happening under the soil. You don't see the the process that God is using to bring about that harvest of righteousness. So discipleship takes a long time. It doesn't happen instantly. Change doesn't happen instantly. James chapter 5 says, Consider the farmers who eagerly look for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They patiently wait. That's another passage. I don't like that. They patiently wait. Wow for the precious harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says a time, there's a time to plant and a time to harvest. They don't happen at the same time. So this principle, along with, you know, sometimes we reap what other people have sown, is something we have to understand in the whole principle of sowing and reaping. Be patient. Keep doing what you've been doing. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. There's no such thing as an instant harvest, no phenomenon called the instant harvest. God does it on His time. Fruit comes over time. Virtues develop over time. Character develops over seasons of life. You know, when Brenda and I were first married, you got to have to understand that she was, uh, she was 18 years old and I was 20 years old. I had to have her dad sign. She wasn't quite 18. Okay, had to have her sign the, the marriage uh, license because she wasn't old enough to do it for herself. So we have grown together over 39 years you know, of marriage. And um, we, have, we have developed. We're not the same people. And that is, takes a work of patience, right? You know they say when you've been married a long time, you become like each other? You know that? And if you have a dog for a long time, you start looking like your puppy. Right? <laughs> or the puppy started looking like you. 
Okay, that's the same in, in marriage, okay? You start becoming like each other. Now Brenda and I can sit in a room and, and we start thinking alike. I can just kind of look at her and she'll know what I'm thinking about. She'll know exactly what I'm thinking. So that takes time and patience to develop. There's no such thing as an instant harvest. Let me uh, close with this, okay? You always reap more than you have sown. Sorry, did I skip a slide? If I have, just go with me. You can skip one. That would be great. You always reap more than you, you plant. It's a principle in Scripture. Imagine the power of a little tomato seed. How many other seeds come from that little one seed? Right? Imagine the amount of fruit and seed that's produced by any one seed. It's always in multiples, in hundreds and thousands of seeds and the potential for life if you sow one seed. So there's the truth from farming that can be applied to our character. Seed that's sown always multiplies at harvest time. If you do one good random act of kindness, it can produce a harvest, a plentiful harvest of good deeds. Here's the principle. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. For whatever measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let me give you an Old Testament principle about multiples. In Genesis 26, 12, he, Isaac, harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. That's what the scriptures say. Uh, Proverbs, those who plant seeds of injustice will reap a harvest of disaster. So it, it also works in the negative sense. If you plant seeds of injustice, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get conflict. You're going to get all kinds of pain, all kinds of struggle. Recently, I was in a church conflict that had affected a lot of people, large church, about 600 people. And I couldn't, I was trying to resolve this conflict, and I realized how these seeds of injustice had multiplied themselves throughout the whole church. The devil had done it, like he, he certainly wanted to destroy the church. And so as I started unraveling this conflict, I realized, wow, that cruel word over there affected that couple's life over there. Their children were affected. Now that, that caused complaining and grumbling over here. Social media got involved in it. <laughs> That's a real enemy, tool of the enemy, right? Suddenly they, people start blasting each other on social media and start blasting each other in, in all kinds of public forums. Oh, man. I thought, one little conflict between two people this church of five, six hundred people, this conflict has affected the whole place. It's unbelievable. Camps started occurring. People started dividing. I'm for that person. I'm for that person. And suddenly you got an all-out war in this church because of one thing, two things. So it happens in the negative as well. We can reap a harvest of destruction when we sow seeds of injustice. Okay, that's what Proverbs talks about. So, let me close. Am I on time, Pastor? All right. Those of you who are online and watching at home, we see you in your, in your pajamas. 
it's almost time to go and have a cup of coffee, okay? All right. Let me <laughs> Wasn't those seasons great where we could sit home and watch TV and be in our pajamas? Now it's nice to be together, isn't it? Isn't this great to be together? There is something about communities lost online. Okay, so the last thought. This is the closing thought. Music team, if you want to come, that'd be great. You can prepare to, to close in a, in a word. So Paul ends this, this, this passage by giving us three things, a couple of things, and he says, here's my recommendation. Whenever you have the opportunity to do something, make sure you're doing good. Because you will have the opportunity to take a few swipes at people too. <laughs> we all get that opportunity. We can say a mean word. We can throw out a little dart. We can say something destructive. Paul says, you got to be careful that when you have the opportunity to sow seeds in someone else's soul, that they're not destructive, that they're positive and good, and that they will benefit that person. He also says, when you have the opportunity to sow seeds in your own soul, make sure they're godly and of the Spirit. Which may require putting on filters on your eyes and your ears and your mouth. Because not everything that comes out of the mouth is good. Amen? <laughs> Anybody out there like, I've said my, you know, my, my uh, extent of bad things. So make sure that it's actually godly and productive. Sow good seeds in your own life. Sow good seeds in the lives of other people. And here's the kicker. Never allow weeds to grow. Let the Spirit of God daily take care of that in your soul. Go before Him and say, Lord, if there's any weeds in amongst the wheat, take care of that, Jesus. Do a work of supernatural transformation. Would you stand with me tonight? Um, I just sense in my soul that there may be some here, and I, I probably won't ask you to come forward for prayer unless you want to. You can do that for sure. There'll be people around who will pray with you. I'll hang around after and pray with you as well. But I, I just get the sense that maybe there might be someone here in this church who has had a Jenny with an eye experience. Okay? Maybe somebody in the balcony, someone on the main floor here, who's had um, a terrible experience. Could be from a colleague at work, a neighbor, someone you trust that's betrayed you, a parent who has attacked you, and you've never been able to get past that. I just said, I don't know your story. I'd love to get to know you more. I just, I know some of you in this church, but not a lot of you. So I'm wondering if, if just as we close, we might make an acknowledgement of that. Now this is private, right? It's kind of sensitive. So I wonder if you would indulge me for a moment and just close your eyes, just bow your heads, no one looking around particularly because it's so private, it's hurtful. But if you've had a Jenny-like experience and someone has said something or sown something into your soul that's been destructive, and now you're experiencing a harvest of fear, low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, anxiety, depression, 
you know, maybe that's you. You're saying, Ken, you know what? You're barking up the right tree here. I've really felt this, and I can't seem to get rid of it. If that's you, all I'm asking you to do is slip up your hand and then take it down. You don't even have to come up to the front. But if you have had a Jenny-like experience and you're experiencing a harvest in your life that's destructive, let, let's start the work right now. Let's ask Jesus to take care of that. Would you just lift up your hand, put it back down. Thank you. I see your hands in the balcony. Any, anybody on the floor here? Thank you, my dear sister. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Anyone else? We're just going to pause real quickly. Thank you. I see your sis my sister's hand there. Jesus. Jesus, thank you, my dear sister. I see your hand as well. Jesus is here in this room, and he's able to take care of this. He's able to take care of this. If you feel comfortable, if you have raised your hand and you'd like to come and join our dear sister here at the altar, Pastor Tiffany, board members, love for you to come forward and pray. Yeah, right, right here, yeah. Yeah, thank you, brother. We're going to sing, and I'm going to pray. And then if you would feel comfortable coming forward, please do. Please do. We'll pray one-on-one -on -one with you. Dear Jesus, we're here at the altar. This message has been timely for people in this church. There have been hands raised. There have been experiences acknowledged where people have sown seeds of destruction. And the harvest that people are experiencing has been negative. And we pray now in the power of Jesus' name that you would break that harvest, end it now, and bring about healing, restoration. For those that raise their hands in this church today that don't feel comfortable coming forward, we affirm them that this was an acknowledgement between them and God, and that even after this service, you, Jesus, will begin to work in those areas of pain those areas of destruction that the enemy has, has caused and that you would begin a work of transformation. Father, I pray right now that you would be with us, go with us, heal us in the name of Jesus. Chad, if you'd lead us in songs, again, the altar is open to you. If you'd like to come, please come. We're going to linger, but if you need to slip away, Thank you for being in church today. God bless you. I pray that God gives you an awesome week this week. God bless you. I just trust that you have been blessed and encouraged and challenged. And just thank Pastor Ken for being faithful to the word of God this morning. Well, God bless you this week. Next Sunday, Pastor Scott and Carrie will be with us and we can rejoice and move forward. And we're looking forward to that. And uh, if you need prayer and didn't get prayer, uh, reach out this week. We'd love to partner with you again. And uh, yeah, go fellowship. Go do it. Go get some food and fellowship. It's my favorite. Be blessed.